Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me on the show is head football coach and my old high school, Strake Jesuit, home of the Fighting Crusaders and the son of the old St. Pius quarterback and longtime Texans coach, Gary Kubiak. Great to have you, Clay Kubiak, on the line. And coach, I'll fight the urge to start singing our fight song with you. I swear. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. In the good old days, I'd ask you, how are you and how's your family doing? Not expecting anything too crazy, but these days, I never know. How's everybody's health? Everyone's good. I mean, my wife and I, we're fine. She works in healthcare, so her, her life's kind of stressful, but she's doing well. Uh, I'm doing fine. My family is is doing very well. Everyone's healthy. Uh, everyone's kids are healthy, so really, really fortunate on that end. Um, it's been crazy. It's been an interesting year and probably even going to get weirder but everyone's healthy and well so that we have that definitely have that going for us good to hear and and you know you started off with two great seasons out of the gate at strike i believe the combined record something like 20 and 5 but the obvious question is what's it been like these last few months for a high school football coach in the houston area because we know the nfl coaches you know you've at least got the draft or free agency to keep you busy what do you do and how are you trying to keep things together with the players these days yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, I mean, for the most part, you're utilizing your online communication platforms to try to stay in touch with your your players. Um, I think the biggest challenge has been trying to maintain a sense of team community. I mean, with high schoolers at that age, they they really thrive off of and they need community. They need a team atmosphere. It's it's why they play. They want to be around their friends. They, they want to be a part of a group. Um, but when you take that away, I mean, it, it, it creates challenges. And so we've, we've been doing our best to try to utilize things like Zoom um, and, and huddle and group group messages and all sorts of ways to stay in touch with our kids. Uh, we've been communicating workouts with them weekly, you know, trying our best to motivate them to stay in shape and to work on skills. Um, you know, and it's all kind of it's been some trial and error and just trying new things. But, um, you know, it's it's we're still going with it. And I think our kids have responded really, really well. Um, they we've had great leadership in our program from our, our seniors and our upperclassmen and our coaches have been working hard. So while it's, it's all new and different and weird, it's, I think we're making the most of it. I really do. It's hard to believe, but the first scheduled game is a little over seven weeks away. And, and there's <laughs> just like, we have no sense of time of what's going on right now. So it's, it's just seven weeks away. Is there any sense uh, of what might happen. What are they telling you? What What is going on with the high school football season at this point? As of today, uh, the UIL announced that they do plan to start everything on time and to play all games on schedule. But like anything else, there's always an, you know, an amendment there, which is that's all subject to change. And so I think, I think the, all we can do as coaches is prepare like we're going to start on time. Just react to whatever circumstances might come up, whether that's a delayed start or an extended preseason where we start games later in the fall. I don't know. I mean, I've heard so many different theories and ideas about what could happen. But as of now, nothing's been decided. Uh, no changes to our schedule have been announced. And so we're planning August 3rd to start practice, uh, whether that's like we normally would or in some sort of modified capacity uh, it's to be determined. But that's it's, it's weird. It's weird not knowing, you know, and I, I don't think that's anyone's fault. It's just we don't have a lot of information right now. And so we're just you know, going with what we got, which is August 3rd and, and starting from there. You know, with the NFL or college, you, you, you've got 
maybe the money to bring in healthcare people to give you advice on how to deal with everything with this with the virus and, and, and what do you do? What do you guys do? Well, I mean, we have a lot of resources. I mean, fortunately, Strake, we have a great athletic training staff who's like been on the ball with this every single day and communicating with us about what information's coming out. Our athletic director, Mike Crowley, and our assistant direct, athletic director, Chad Collier, like they, they've just been kind of working around the clock and like keeping tabs on the data and the information. We, and in high school, we got to rely on your coaches. I mean, the coaches are the ones. And then, and then as you get into school, it'll be teachers. Coaches and teachers will be the ones who are running the show. And you're right. We don't have medical staff on, you know, hired to, to take us through all this. I mean, our coaches and our teachers, uh, and I know that we're going to do a great job and, and we're putting a lot on them, but it's, um, those are the people who we're going to count on. And I, I think people are up for the task. It's not easy, but you know, you just got to utilize your resources. And, and fortunately we have great resources where I work at Strake. And so, um, we'll see, I, I, I have a lot of confidence in the people I work with who we can get this done. How are you guys going to do it? Are they going to test the kids coming in or are you doing a, a constant testing as the season goes along? Do you have an idea of, of, you know, kind of what the mode of operations is and how, how you're going to handle this? Yeah. I mean, the mode of operations is again, it's TBD. Uh, we don't know because we don't know when we're going to start. We don't know really what the guidelines are going to be. The UIL has been pretty good about releasing guidelines before they allow activity. For instance, they've released all these guidelines for summer strength and conditioning and they're really specific. Like everyone has to be screened. Uh, we want to work out our kids in small groups to, to have contact tracing. You want to have maximum space for your athletes. You want to be masked when you're not working out. So all these, all these protocols and guidelines that you'd expect, but nothing has been um, discussed or announced regarding the start of the season. Um, so again, that, that just goes back to, we don't know when we're going to start and we don't know what it's going to look like. What's the biggest challenge, do you think, when you're going to be dealing with all these various things coming at you? What, what are you most concerned about, I guess? I mean, there's a lot. I think, I think when, when your students are on campus and your players are you know, with you, I know that our school and, and most schools are doing everything they can do to create the safest environment possible. And I think, I think our school and most schools are, are practicing all the guidelines and going through the protocols. I think the hardest part is, you know, then you send these, these young men and women home into the community and you can't control what they're doing in their day-to-day -day life. You can't control what their families are doing. And so uh, I think the hardest part is just that risk of, of people bringing COVID-19 back onto campus from whatever community interaction they have. And that's just, that's inevitable. You can't control it. Uh, it is what it is. And so as much as we can do to prevent it on our campus, there's only so much you can do from people bringing it to you. I think that's the biggest hurdle. That's the most you know stressful part of it, but it's the reality and it's what everyone's facing. Has your dad told you about going through anything like this in his days coaching? I, I can't imagine there's a comparison. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's pretty much unprecedented. I think as far as having no contact with your players. The only thing that he could compare it to is like when there's been lockouts, when you've, when you've literally cannot have any contact with players and there's no off season, but um, yeah, this is totally unprecedented. And uh, I think everyone's in that boat. I want to go back a little bit into your history because you were a quarterback at Colorado state. Uh, we've all followed your dad's career. Your brother Clint is coaching with him for the Vikings. Your brother Klein's also been working in the NFL the last few years. I think now as a scout with the, the Cowboys, but 
with all that going on, I understand that football coach wasn't exactly what you envisioned as, as your map uh, or your life sort of mapped out. Did, did I got that right? I mean, I played college football, like you said, at Colorado State. Um, but then I went and got my master's uh, in literature, which was kind of my my passion, if you will. Um, and I went I went and studied literature in graduate school and, and um, knew that I kind of wanted to get into teaching, whether at the collegiate level or in high school. And so I, I got my first job at Strake as an English teacher. And, um, and, and then I coached alongside of that. You know, I was – you know, I, I wanted to teach, but then I got into coaching. And, and so my, my passions have always just been teaching and educating. And I think, I think coaching and being in the classroom go very much hand in hand in that regard. So I'm, I'm get to, I'm fortunate. I get to pursue both passions. I love football. I love, I love coaching, but I also love being in the classroom. And so, um, I don't know many places where I'd get to do both. And so I feel pretty blessed to, to be where I'm at. I mean, you've got the most unique perspective. I mean, your, your family has done everything, uh, is this what you expected as a coach, uh, obviously pre the last few months, but is, is it what you expected? Has the, have there been surprises for you? I would say I had very little expectation when I became a head coach. I, I, I wouldn't say I was reluctant to do it, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to, but I knew being in a leadership position was really, um, you know, what, what really appealed to me most to be able to lead, uh, the group of players to lead the program. And I think as the years have gone by these past couple of years, I've really grown into the role and, and, you know, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I've, it's become really, uh, I've become really passionate about it. So I, I hate to say, I don't, I don't really have any expectations for it, but uh, you know, I just kind of, it's become what it is and I'm really enjoying it. We think of you so much as a Houstonian, but you, you guys, I know as a, with your dad bounced around, uh, you, you graduated from, I think, was it Regis Jesuit up in Denver? Yeah. What's, what's it like? Is there a big difference, I guess, between high school football in Denver and high school football in Houston and, and, and in Texas? <laughs> People always ask me that, honestly. Um, I think the, the easy answer is yes. Like, I don't think anything compares to Texas high school football. You know, my perspective on high school football in Colorado was as a player. And so I never really thought much about, okay, how is this any different? I was just playing and enjoying it and competing. I mean, Texas is just a beast. It's a different animal. There's so many great players and coaches and there's great coaches in Colorado. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's great players everywhere, but just the size of the state and the number of, of football players here, I think makes it a different animal. But, you know, I would never I would never speak ill about Colorado high school football. I know there's some great football up there. There's some great programs. Um, and, and like I said, the coaching I know is top notch. And so but it, it just nothing compares to Texas. And, and I've coached here here for seven years. And it's it's legit. It's legit. It's real football. I mean, it is high, high level football here, uh, especially at the 6A level. So. The ubiquitous spread offense—it's—it's uh, it's everywhere. But but you're running a pro offense <laughs> in, in, in high school football. That's super d- different. What's that been like? And and why did you why did you decide to do that? Just because that's what you kind of knew growing up, or did you think that would specifically work to to your skill set? I mean, I it's the it's the kind of football I know, right? It's the kind of football I was taught in the. I mean, the college program I was in—we were a pro style offense, so it's how I was trained to understand the sport, at least offensively. So I think you teach what you know and you teach what, what you can relay the best to your, your athletes. And so there's, there was that, but I also thought it would be really fun to teach 
a pro style offense to high schoolers. Um, people might have this perception that, Oh, it's too complex or it's too, you know, whatever, but it's not. And it's, to me, it's been a really, really fun challenge and our, our kids have really embraced it. Um, and it's different, you know, you're the team that most people play and they say, Oh, they're the different team. They're the different style of, of, of offense that we have to prepare for. And so, Maybe that gives us an advantage because we're unique, but I don't know. I mean, you're only as good as, you know, how well you play, but it's just been really fun. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've coached in spread offenses. I've enjoyed that too, but it was just a fun challenge and our kids and our coaches have embraced it and it's, it's stuck. So we're going to keep it going. And people probably don't think, well, we can, we can score a ton of points and run up and down the field. Like, like the spread offense, you, you guys are getting, you know, 30, 40 points a game. Most times I look up. Well, we've had really good players past couple of years. We've we've had some really good explosive offensive. We've had some running backs, some receivers, tight ends. We've had good quarterback play. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. You know, it, I don't know if we want to get into offensive philosophy, but you 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 play the whatever way that game dictates you need to play. And so we've had games we've won seventeen fourteen. We've had games we've won fifty two to or sixty three to forty five. I mean, it just depends on the game, but all that. I mean, to me. It, we've had explosive players and and that's really what that comes down to for sure. What are your favorite memories of your dad's career? Just kind of being around the game. Do you have memories from that 94 Super Bowl with the Niners? And what do you recall from the Broncos championship with Elway in 97, 98? I know you're very young, both, both times. Yeah. So the, the 49ers one, I, I have very little memory. I was so young. Um, I was there, but I, I don't remember much about it. Um, the, those those two early Bronco Super Bowls, 97, 98, uh, I have very vivid memories of being at those games. Uh, the 97 Super Bowl, the, that was the first Super Bowl the Broncos won. I just remember just how static everyone was. Um, I mean, this sounds crazy, but like the after parties, I was a 10-year-old kid going to these after parties where there were celebrities and the team was just going crazy and celebrating and having a great time. I remember that and just really, really cool experiences. Um, I remember going on the field after the games and the confetti and just, just pretty wild to, to experience that at such a young age. And then, you know, the recent, the 2015 Super Bowl, that was way different because I was older and, and I had a much greater appreciation for my dad's career and sort of all he'd been through. And for him to get to that moment and to, to accomplish that was just such a fulfilling moment for him and for us as a family and just so happy for him. And, and that was that was just different because I was an adult and just had a different experience for that. But um, yeah, just pretty wild and to get to experience all those things throughout my life. So were you just kind of a fan in the stands and all those Super Bowls? Where did they put you? So the, the, the 97 and 98, I was in the stands with my mom and brothers. And then in 2015, I was on the sideline. Uh, that was pretty cool. What was it like to be playing at Colorado state, you're, you're trying to be a quarterback in, in college when Gary was the head coach of the Texans. Didn't really change a whole lot. I mean, for nobody was really a Texan fan in Colorado. You know, I mean, I was just rooting for my dad every weekend. I mean, most of my friends didn't pay much attention to it. Um, I mean, it was cool to get to go home to Houston every summer and train with some of the, some of the strength and conditioning coaches here in, uh, in Houston and work out with some of the players a little bit. That was awesome. But you know, I mean, I don't think it impacted my college playing career all that much or my college experience. I was just trying to do my own thing and and make it and then hopefully hope he had some success too along the way. When you're in college, are you trying to find a place 
to watch his games on Sunday? H- how are you keeping up with him? Yeah, that was we, we had NFL Sunday ticket. I think I'm trying to think back, and I think we were able to watch mostly every game. And then we'd have like sometimes we would have like workouts on a Sunday or or like a meeting, and I'd, I'd miss games and be frustrated. But you know, we did the best we could. But Sunday ticket was pretty clutch. It was. I think it was like just kind of emerging back then. So we got to watch almost everything. Where were you when your dad went down in the Colts game? I was there. Um, I was working at Strake Jesuit. That was my first year, 2013. Uh, I was at that game and in the um, suite with my my mom and some of her family. And yeah, that was that was wild. That was um, seems like a long time ago, but really pretty few years ago. So yeah, I was there. And fortunately, I'm glad I was there um, because I got to just go to the hospital and be with him. And, and thankfully I, I wasn't far away where I could just be with him as much as he needed. What's it like as a son, you see your dad, you know, he, he, he takes a lot of shots when he's in Houston as the head coach and, you know, people are, you know, you know, he, he had some ups and downs as a coach, obviously, you know, a couple of division championships, but uh, to, to see, you know, what happened here. And then you see him when in Denver, you know, what did that mean to you guys, the family to, to, to see, was that, really the most rewarding for you as a family to see him win that Super Bowl in Denver? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he, I think any any coach, I mean, my dad has been coaching for a long time. And, uh, you know, he, I mean, Houston was a, he was, that was his first head coaching job, but he, he had such a long coaching career before that. I think, you know, the Super Bowl is just kind of the accumulation of all the hard work and, you know, all the memories and, and you know, all the years you've put in to the coaching profession and to kind of reach that ultimate success was really, really awesome. Um, you know, yeah, there were ups and downs with other teams, but you know, that's just coaching that's sports. There's always ups and downs, but you know, it was just kind of, he got, he got to that point where he's put in all the years and all the work and it finally paid off in the, on the biggest stage. And that was really, really cool. Do you find yourself subconsciously copying things that, that he does on the sideline or in your preparations uh, anything like that i mean in my preparation yes it's not subconscious i i mean i've asked and i've picked his brain about so many things and and also just by observing over the years i mean basically i would probably say everything i know about coaching and coaching offensive football i learned from him so none of it is subconscious it's deliberate i, I try to <laughs> i try to do a lot of what i was taught and as far as my mannerisms, I, I do think that there's some instincts that I share with him about whether it's play calling or managing, but I think also, it's also learned like I just hearing him talk about how to manage situations or how to handle certain situations with the team. Um, I try to emulate that because I think he's a great leader and, um, you know, a great mentor to someone He's great to emulate. So why not? I got to ask you since I was seven, eight, nine years old as a little kid during the love you blue Oilers do, do you have a story about your dad's days being a ball boy back then? What, what has he told you about that? Honestly, no. I mean, he, he talks about it, you know, back when he was, I think he was in high school or whatever, but that's really all I've heard about it, to be honest with you. Just his, he mentions it every now and then, but I think it's more of a kind of a folk tale now than anything else, but I, I've not heard a whole lot about it. I know, he, I know he probably does have a few good stories about Bum Phillips and being around the team, but none that I could probably tell you off the top of my head. We always see him as this kind of straight-laced, no-nonsense guy. What would people be surprised to know about him? What can you tell us about him that we just wouldn't expect? 
I mean, that's kind of how he is. He's, he's pretty quiet, mild mannered, really likes, he loves being around his family. Uh, I don't think there's anything he enjoys more than just having his kids and, and grandkids and daughters-in-law around. Uh, he's got a ranch. He likes to hang out and fish and it's pretty simple guy and, and just really loves being around his family. And so I think that, that's probably not surprising, but that's probably about as deep as I could get about it. Overall, has it been easy being a Kubiak or has it been difficult? I, I mean, I assume that, you know, you, you're, you're, you kind of stick out with that name. People know who you are your, your entire life. W- what has that been like? Not difficult. I don't know if it's been easy. I mean, I don't think anyone could say their life's been easy, but I mean, it's I've been very, very blessed and fortunate to be raised by two amazing parents and have a dad who's in coaching, who's taught me everything I know and has given me resources and and helped me network. And it's been nothing but positives. And so no complaints, no issue. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been truly a blessing to be a part of his legacy and, you know, has been a great dad. And um, so, yeah, can't say enough positive things about it. I want to go to one last thing uh, back to Drake Jesuit. And I, I, I know that uh, you guys do so much stuff in the community. Your kids do so many things in the community. Um, what has stuck out with you from anything that you've heard or have you heard some things from some of your players about what they've been doing over the last few months? You know, I think one thing that's been really impactful is seeing, you know, one thing we tried to do early on was, try to get our older players to reach out to younger players. So, so like rising sophomores, kids who are, who are freshmen last year, who are still like finding their way and trying to kind of start a mentorship program, you know, via the internet. And I've just seen so many of our older players take on that role of trying to mentor young guys from a distance. And that's been really cool. They're trying to motivate each other, getting workouts organized. I think these guys know that their season is is on the brink and they know that their success is dependent on how much work they're putting in independently and just seeing our players take on that sort of mentality that they they don't have each other right now but they can still motivate each other and they can still, you know, put in the independent work. It's been really cool. Um and I, I don't want to say I didn't expect it. I I I'm not surprised that they're doing that, but to see it happening uh, has been really awesome. And I'm really proud of them for what they've done um, since March when they haven't seen each other, they haven't seen me, but they've have found a way to still be a, a team and to prepare themselves for what's coming. Well, I want to thank you for coming on with me. And let me just say, I've been covering high school football in Houston for the 17 years now. And in the last few years, I helped produce the Inside High School Sports Show on Channel 11. We're ready to go for year 18. So I'm anxious just as anxious as you to have the the season. And I, I hope to see you out on a football field at a stadium somewhere, even if I'm six feet away. Yeah, me too. Uh, I appreciate, appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys do for high school football. Um, I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, we want it to be safe. We want it to be right and good for everyone involved. But um, I think, <laughs> I think it's time to, to start getting excited for football and I'm very excited and, Whenever it happens and however it happens, we'll be ready to go and I'll be ready to coach coach our guys and can't wait to see what happens. Thanks so much for doing this, Coach. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. 
You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.